Again, I'm glad you're here, glad you made the effort to be here tonight. We're going to continue our study, How-Tos on the Highway to Heaven, a very practical Bible study. We're seeing that every single week, uh, talking about the time between uh, the, the time that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we find Him, we receive Him by faith, and then the point that we're spending eternity with Him in heaven. Really, that's the course of our life as believers, and so we're seeing really some practical scriptural guides for living life as a believer. Now, the truth is, God doesn't just care that we get saved, that we are saved. Uh, he has a plan for us as saved people. And so it's not just the event of trusting Christ. Uh, it really is the event of walking with Christ. Well, if you think about it, uh, just the first step is not a walk. Uh, to have a walk, you have to take an additional step. And so, yes, it is receiving Christ, uh, having the, the righteousness of Christ given to us by faith in Jesus, but it is then that we start our walk with Christ. And God has a tremendous plan for us as believers. Now, the premise is God is our creator, and in that, he possesses the wisdom behind creation. Now, think about that. He created all things. He created us. And because he's the creator, he knows why he created us. He knows how he created us. He knows what he created us for. And so the wisdom behind creation is found in him. And so if we need wisdom, then we would go to the source. We would go to him. That just makes sense. He knows our plan. He knows our purpose. And so if we need wisdom uh, in the course of life, we would turn to him for that wisdom. Tonight, we're going to come to a big subject, and I'll just tell you, this subject is the first subject uh, that drew me to the Bible study. Uh, it is a subject that we have been trained to go to the war world for our information in, and that is the subject of depression. It is a subject uh, that we are taught that God, uh, His Word, His wisdom uh, might not have our answer, might not give us our answer. Uh, yes, he's trustworthy in salvation and religious things, but he may not have our answer in this topic. Well, that's what we're taught, and so we're trained to go to the world. Okay, trust Jesus, find eternal life in Jesus, but when it comes to the subject of depression, maybe we better seek out a different perspective or, or the perspective of an expert. And so we are trained, especially in this area, to go to the world, to turn to the world for our wisdom. Now, here's my question, and we asked it a couple of times the first couple of weeks. My question is so, how's that working for us? We're trained, go to the world, go to an expert, see what they say, see what they would teach about depression, and that is where we'll find our answer. God doesn't speak on this subject. How's, how is that working for us? Remember when I started, we started the study, I said, this Bible study is actually for those who are tired of normal. You know what normal does? Normal gets the normal result. Normal ends in the same result. And this is a Bible study for folks that normal's not working. And so if you're here and you say, you know what, everything's fine, everything is normal, I'm all right with normal, then I would encourage you, move on in normal. But if you're tired of normal, uh, this Bible study is for you. And so tonight we're going to do something radical, something the world's not going to lead us to do. In the subject of depression, we're going to seek out his word. We're going to seek out his wisdom and his truth. That's a very big thing. All right, so we're going to start tonight this big topic. Now, let me just run through some foundational things, some things that we're going to set up as we begin the discussion, and then we'll move into the actual Bible study. The first thing to understand in this huge topic is this. Depression is real. Depression is real. It is not imagined. It's not imaginary. It is a real thing. Sometimes folks say, well, just get over it. Just pull it together. It's not a real thing. Depression is a real thing. That's the first thing. All right, here we are tonight. We're dealing with a real topic. It is a real thing. Depression is a real thing. Now, here's, here's an important thing. The second truth is this. And 
it happens to all people. And it happens to all people. We need to hear that. You need to hear that, especially those that are struggling with this. You need to know, and it happens to all people. All classes of people suffer with this. All ages of people deal with this. All levels of achievement. High achievers, they deal with this. Low achievers, they deal with this. All people deal with this subject. Sometimes, now here's what I've noticed. People start to think, I have something that nobody else can understand. And, and especially this subject. I, I have something that no one else can understand. And, and sometimes we start to go, you know what? No one else has ever had what I'm having right now. No one can, can relate to what I'm trying to talk about. And it's so bad, you can't imagine what I'm going through and we start to feel like we're on an island. Nobody's dealt with what I'm dealing with. This doesn't make any sense. Nobody's ever had this. And the truth is this. It happens to all people, all ages, all classes, all economic levels, all achievement levels. This subject happens to all people. Maybe you'd be surprised to know some of the people in Scripture that the Bible says suffered with depression. Let me give you a few of them. Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, Jeremiah, Jonah, Job, David, Paul. We can keep going. Many, many others as well. It is real. It happens to all people. Here's, here's another thing. It is not rare. Well, it's an isolated event. No, it's not an isolated event. It is not rare. There will be 3 million new cases diagnosed this year. Now, I would say most cases aren't diagnosed. I think most people are just going through life, and maybe they're dealing with this. Maybe it's something that pops up, and it's not diagnosed. 3 million new cases this year. It is not rare. All right, fourth thing, and I want you to listen very carefully. I want you to hear this. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying on this fourth thing. The cause can be medical. The cause can be medical. Here, here's what I found. Cancer, tumors, hormone imbalances, uh, intense pain without relief. If a person has pain, whatever it is, back pain from a car wreck, if they have pain and there's no relief and no relief and no relief, it, it can result in this. Other illnesses, certain illnesses, medications that treat those illnesses. There are medical conditions that can cause depression. Hear that very carefully. There are medical conditions that can cause depression. Here's what I would say. If so, then see a doctor. However, many times, if not most times, there is not a medical condition that is the cause. Now, listen to that very carefully as well. There can be a medical condition that causes this. However, most times, many times, a medical condition is not the cause. Um, if a person were to go in and say, Here, here's the issue, it's depression. If they were to take a blood test and a urine test and some other medical tests, if they were to do brain scans and other scans, most of the time, they would say, we find no medical reason for this, so let's talk about what's going on. That's generally what's going to happen. We ran, the, we ran this test and the blood work, and we did this, and all your results are back, and we see no medical reason. Listen to this. 2019, a Harvard Medical School study says that depression is most likely not the result of a chemical level being too high or too low. That's what they said. Most likely, it is not the result of a chemical level being too high or too low. Yet, here's what I'm going to say. Isn't that what you hear a lot? Well, there's just something going on. This level's too high. Well, there's some things in your life, and it's produced this and this, and this level is too low. Yet, that's what we hear a lot. I found one website, and it's talking about depression and, and, and the responses to it. And it says this, of depression, it is treatable by a medical professional. Depression is treatable. There is an answer. It is treatable by a medical professional. Uh, 
it requires a medical diagnosis. And so if you have this, it requires a medical diagnosis. And yet the exact same website said this, yet rarely will it require a lab test or brain imaging. Now I want you to think about the logic of what that just said. It is treatable by a medical professional. It, it uh, requires a medical diagnosis and yet rarely will it require lab tests or brain imaging. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just going to give you an example of that. What if I went to the doctor, and I had just jumped out of a tree. I don't know why I did that, but I jumped out of a tree, and I have broken my leg. And it, it goes this way, and then it goes this way, and then back that way. And I, I made it to the ER and came in, and they said, well, it looks like you have a broken leg. And it looks like we're going to need to set some pins and we'll do surgery on Tuesday. Do you think we should take an x-ray? No, no, no. We've heard what you've said and it sounds like you have a broken leg and it goes three different directions. We're going to set some pins. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we're going to do it on Tuesday. Wouldn't you need an x-ray? It's treatable by a medical professional. It requires a medical diagnosis and yet rarely will it require a lab test or a, or a brain imaging. It is real. It happens to all people. It is not rare. It is a condition that can be caused by medical causes. However, listen very carefully, there are mental, emotional, and spiritual causes to depression. Now, I found this, uh, the latest research, not by Christian organizations, by secular organizations, organizations give the largest factors, the largest causing factors, and they are not medical. And so you go down this website and it says, the largest factors that are contributing to depression, and you go down the list, and most of those causes, the largest factors are not medical. And so yes, there can be a medical cause, but, but it looks like most of the time, the cause is something other than medical. All right, that brings us to the next thing, and that is this. The Bible does speak on it. The Bible does speak on it. Uh, and I think when I say that, I think how many times do people say, I'm struggling with depression. Uh, this person is battling depression. They have a real issue right now with depression. And so we're going to go seek out what God has said in his word about depression. I don't know that I've ever heard that. In fact, I think as fast as I say that, folks that hear that say, well, you know what, that's dumb. That's ignorant. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's not wise. That is dangerous to make that conclusion. Let me, let me tell you this, and, 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 and it, it, this is where it gets to be such a big subject that we're dealing with tonight. Satan battles for your mind. Do you know that? He, he battles for your mind. So what do you think a battle for your mind is going to look like? He wants your mind. The Bible says that. It is that big of a deal. Satan is actually battling for your mind. And so here's the truth. God has spoken on the subject and we go to God. If it's not a medical cause, we go to God for issues of depression. The world says that's crazy. The world says that's dangerous. The world says that's some kind of spooky deal. Listen, Satan is battling for your mind. We go to the creator, the, the one that possesses all wisdom, and we seek his counsel when it comes to depression. In Psalm 77, there is a pattern that we can look at. We're going to look at it. In fact, there's a whole lot of verses we can look at tonight. There's a whole lot of pieces we could put together tonight. But, but Psalm 77 is a pattern that we can look, look at concerning this issue. So uh, to help us tonight, I'm going to look at this pattern, uh, and, then, and then we're going to break out our Bible study from there. Now, Psalm 77, we're not sure who the psalmist is. We're not sure who writes it. Uh, we're not sure when it was written. Uh, there's a couple of different ideas from the context that it looks like when the nation is in captivity and some bad things have taken place, 
but we're really not sure of the exact time that it was written. There's several possibilities. We do know that the author, the psalmist, the singer is in deep pain. They are in deep anguish and they are overwhelmed with sorrow and grief. Now I want you to think about what that sounds like. They're overwhelmed. They're overtaken with sorrow and grief. They're in actual real pain and anguish and they're overwhelmed with it. They're overcome with it. The songwriter is in a state of depression. All right, I'm gonna read Psalm 77. We're gonna move to the subject and then we're gonna come back and, and look at our Bible study. All right, when I read Psalm 77, here's what you ought to do. Picture it. Listen and picture what the songwriter's saying. This is a real person. This is, these are real words from a real person. So I want you to picture this. My voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. They're in despair. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Day, in the night, my hand was stretched out with, without weariness. So it's day and it's night. It's, it's both when he's awake, when they're trying to go to bed. My soul refuses, refused to be comforted. I, I, I reached out. I struggled with it. I didn't even grow tired of it. I, I was consumed, weary, consumed, refusing to be comforted. There's despair. Verse 3, when I remember God, then I am disturbed. Where's God at? What's God doing? Why doesn't he stop this? When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. They're sad and they just get sadder. When they think about it, 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 just, it just grows. Verse four, you have held my eyelids open. Can't sleep. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Don't want to talk to anybody. I've considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I remember when it was good. I remember when it was like that. It's not like that anymore. I remember the bad things that have happened. I remember when we went to this funeral. They're considering all the days of old. I will remember my song in the night. Oh, I'm so sad. I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. Why has this happened? I don't understand this. Will the Lord reject forever? Now I want you to see what happens. A terrible turn happens for just a second. Will the Lord reject forever? What is God doing? Will he never be favorable again? Let me ask you a question. Don't answer, but let me ask you a question. Is that God? They can't even see God. Where's God at? Why has God allowed this? He must not be loving. He must not be powerful. Is he going to do this, allow it forever? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? The Bible says his compassions are new every morning. He's not ever going to be favorable to me. Has his promise come to an end forever? You know what that says? Is God a liar? Has God lied? I'm in such pain. God must be a liar. Has God forgotten to be gracious? They start to question the character of God. He's a liar. He's not loving. He's not kind. Or has in anger withdrawn his compassion? Then I said, it is my grief that the right hand of the most high has changed. All right, there's a turning that happens, that starts to happen in verse 11. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. I'm going to make the effort to remember what God has done. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I'll remember what you've done in the past. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Now I want you to see, we're going to see it in our Bible study. I'm not just going to say, well, God is good. I'm going to start to meditate on the truth that God is good. I'm going to think deeply. I'm going to muse on your deeds your way, O oh God, is holy. They start to remember God. What God is like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You're powerful. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You're marvelous. You have, by your power, redeemed your people. You're the deliverer, the savior, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O oh God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. He's over all of creation. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your paths in mighty waters. And your footprints may not be known. You led your people like a flock. You never left us. By the hand of Moses and Aaron, he delivered them. All right, there's a big pattern there. You, you read through those verses, there's a pattern. You see it unfold. 
Let me, let me take that and let's talk about depression tonight. First thing we're going to do, and we're going to look at three really breakdowns on the subject. The first thing is this, the causes of depression. The causes of depression. What causes, what results in depression? Let me just tell you some things that cause depression. The first thing is this. The first cause of depression is a focus on self. A focus on self. Me. Me. What's happened to me? What's going to happen to me? What, where have I been? What have I got coming? A focus on self. My, my, my. Here's, here's the first thing. When you start to focus on self, you are building an environment for depression to flourish. If your focus is on self, it's about me, and I'm thinking about me, and I'm wondering about me, and it's mine, it's mine, it's me. If that is your focus, listen, you are starting to make fertile the ground for, for depression to flourish. That's the first thing. What's the cause of depression? A focus on self. Here's the second thing. What causes depression? A focus on fear. A focus on fear. Now, I want you to see what that means. That means you ask the question, what if? What if? What if this? What if I wreck my car? What if I catch a sickness? What if my money runs out? What if this happens? What if the election goes the wrong way? What if? What if? And, and you start to, to, to think in that terms. What if this? What if it snows for 10 days? What if the pipes all burst? What if they come and get my house? What if this car I never get it paid for? What if my wife does these things? What if the kids all do this? And it starts to consume you and you run over those things. What if? What if? Maybe more than any year that I've been alive, wasn't the last year the year of what if? What if gas hits $4? What if my pops all burst? What if we all get sick? What if we can't get in the rest home to see our loved ones? What if? What if? If you start to focus on fear, listen very carefully, you are laying the groundwork to be consumed in depression. You're building a fertile soil that depression can grow up out of if you're consumed with fear. All right, so focus on self, focus on fear. Here's the next one. Focus on the negative, the bad things of your life or the bad things of the past. You're focused on the negative things, the, the things of the past. You know what, boy, that was bad. That divorce was bad. That death was bad. That funeral was bad. That sickness was bad. I didn't deserve that, and that happened to me, and I didn't see that coming, and that's what happened. I didn't, I didn't earn those things. And, and as fast as you can run back to those things, you might start taking some steps, but all of a sudden you start to go, well, I didn't, this happened, and that happened, and then I fell out of the tree and broke my leg, and that happened, and all of these things. And, and the focus on the negative things, listen to this, if you do it long enough, you'll start to build a dread for the future, which I think that's the truth. If you start to say, well, you remember when that happened? You remember when I tried that and I stuck my neck out and they cut my head off? You remember when I thought I had friends and they did these things? You'll start to say, well, I don't think I'm going out anymore. I don't think it's worth having friends anymore. I don't think it's worth looking for new jobs anymore. I don't think it's worth, if you start to worry about the things that did happen in the past, you'll start to dread the things that'll happen in the future. If you focus on the negative, you're gonna build a ground where depression can flourish, can grow out of. Here's another one, no one's gonna like it, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. Depression happens when we forget our sins, when we forget our sins. Now, I'm, I'm gonna just tell you very easily here, some of our problems, now not all of them, but some of our problems, and maybe at times many of our problems, oh man, we actually caused those problems. Did you, ever, did you ever know that? We didn't listen to what God said, we didn't care what he, what he led us in his word, we went ahead and did the things. 
You know what, if you marry an unbeliever, here's what's gonna happen. You know what, if you're careless with your money and you operate and you don't honor God, this is what's gonna happen. We did those things and there's consequences. It bears results. And here's the problem that starts leading us into depression. We won't take responsibility for them. We We won't accept the blame for them. And this is our day. We're trying to say, it's the teacher's. My coaches, you know why I'm not good? You know why I'm not all American? I could have been, my coaches weren't good. They just didn't like me. My parents, my parents, if you'd had the parents I had, my parents, they're the, they're the, they're the reason. The environment, oh, if you'd, if you'd have grown up where I came up at and we cannot take the blame. Let me tell you something. There is a good thing that starts, and I don't care how old you are, when you say, I did that, <laughs> I did that. Who cheated on that test? I did that. Who lied and got yourself in a mess? Mm, I did that. We start to breed and lay the groundwork for depression when we forget some of the things we're walking through we cause and we won't own those things. Here's the biggest one. The biggest cause of depression. And I, I know what I'm talking about right here. It is when we forget God. We forget who he is. Is he good? Is he strong? Is he mighty? Is he kind? Is he gracious? Is he all present? Does he know what I'm going through? We start to forget what he's done. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. When I needed a savior, he sent his only begotten son. He died on the cross of Calvary. And we start to forget who God is. And let me tell you, when you forget God, you will end up in depression. Here's Here's the... the, the, the truth of the matter. This world is hopeless. Our situation, your situation is hopeless and it is all depressing if I don't remember who God is. The day we're living in right now, you know why people are depressed? If my hope is in this messed up sorry government, if my hope is in, is in the price of oil, if my hope is in health, if my hope is in something other than the living, true God that's kind and gracious, you will be depressed. Now, that's big. You forget who God is, you'll end up in depression. You focus on yourself, you forget about your sins, you're laying the groundwork for depression. Those are the causes. All right, we're gonna look at it in three parts. Here's the second part. Those are the causes. Now, here's the result. And And I think everybody here will say, yeah, that's the result. If that's what happens, here's what's going what's to pop up. Here's what you're going to face. If that, if, there, if those things are happening, this will be the result. Three results of depression. Now, you see if this is not true. You, you check me and see if this is not true. The first result, if those things are going on, the first result of depression is you will have a distorted outlook. You will have a distorted outlook. Now, what that means is you cannot see correctly. Listen to the words I'm saying. It's not that there's not a correct way to see. You just can't see it any longer. You're not seeing properly. If those things are happening and they take root and depression springs up, You're not able to see properly. I want to try something. Kathy, will you help me out? (laughs) Twisted her arm. I need you to stand right here and face that way, and hold this cup on your head. <laughs> this is a real bow, and it will go through a bale of hay. This is a real arrow, and it's sharpened. That's a real arrow. Kel and Jay, will you come help me? <laughs> if y'all stand right here, I'm going to tell you all about these two guys. I know both of them. Kel 
when he was in fifth grade, was up here one summer and we had RAs and he, he learned to shoot this bow for about 20 minutes. Now there's about 40 kids in that class, but he got, he got some time in and he learned how to shoot this bow. And he's pretty good at it. How, that's been about five or six years ago, but he went through and they had about 20 minutes and there's 40 of them and he knows how to shoot this bow. Now let me tell you about Jay. Jay grew up with a bow and arrow in his hand and he loves shooting bows. He's two-time regional champion bow shooter. They have competitions. I don't know why they do, but they have competitions. He's been going since he's a kid. He's practicing in his yard. He goes to competitions. He's a two-time regional qualifier with this bow. But I'm going to show you something. Kale is going to wear these glasses. These are clear glasses, and they've been cleaned today. He's going to wear these glasses. Go ahead and put these on. Now, Jay is for real with a bow and arrow, but he's going to wear these glasses. Let me tell you about these glasses. I bought these online, and everybody that works here can tell you this is the truth. I bought some spray window tint, and these have six coats of spray window tint on each side. And if you put a lot, it pulls up in the middle, so you can't really see through the middle of them very good. And so there's 12 coats of window tint, and it's pulled up in the middle, and Jay's going to wear these. All right, now this is, this is, they ought to be able to do this, I think. But I'm going to let you choose. Do you want Kel, who is pretty good but seeing clearly, or Jay, who's tremendous, but he can't see his hand, to shoot you, to shoot, not you, but shoot that cup <laughs> <laughs> off of your head with this arrow? And I'll let you choose. You'll choose kale. <laughs> it, the, the glasses are going to be the least of your work. You don't want to see it coming. All right, here's the deal. It doesn't matter how trained he is. It doesn't matter how ready he is. It doesn't matter that we've been talking about this for three months. If he can't see properly, he can't do it. We're not going to actually shoot you. That's the demonstration. Thank you. You can keep the glasses. Here's the thing, if, if you are walking through depression and you've done those things and they've bred this thing, you are going to have a distorted outlook. And it's just a simple fact. Jay didn't want a distorted outlook. Jay wanted to do the right thing. He's been to all these contests. You cannot see correctly. And you know what that does? That just builds on top of each other. You're here and you're wondering what in the world, you're wondering what God's doing, you're wondering where you're gonna find the answer, but you know what your brain is saying? This is never gonna work. This is never gonna work. There's no way out of here. We're all doomed. We're all doomed. This year, we're not gonna get out of 2021. We're all doomed. And you cannot see correctly, your perspective's not right, if these are the things that you've done. Sadly, very sadly, I have dealt very closely with, I think, four suicides. And you know what I can tell you about all four of them? If they could have just seen correctly. Do you know there was an answer? Do you know it wasn't that bad? Do you know there was a fix to those things? But for some crazy reason, they cannot see correctly. The first thing that it's going to do is it's going to produce a distorted outlook. And you're trying, but your, your eyes aren't going to see. It's going to be like wearing those glasses. Second thing it's going to result in is an unhappy life an unhappy life. You're going to be miserable. If that's your perspective, if that's your vision, if those are the things that you've sown, you're going to be miserable. It's going to rob you of your happiness. It's actually going to rob you of your joy. Your, your life is not going to be exhilarating. You're not going to be excited to get up. You're not going to say, I have things to do. I have a purpose. That's not going to be your life. You're going to hate to get up. You're, you're going to lead an unhappy happy life. Now, I want to tell you this, and it's fine to go ahead and say it. That's not God's plan. That is not God's plan. You're not supposed to go through life and say, well, I'm just working for the weekend. Well, I'm just going to make it till Friday. If we can make it by summer, I think Merle Haggard said, if we can make it till Christmas. We're going to make it. That's not how God has intended for us to live. If you're living in depression, it's going to rob you of your happiness. And in this year, you're not going to be happy. And in next year, you're not going to be happy. And you're going to look back and say, man, how did this happen? 
That's the second result. It's going to lead to an unhappy life. Third result is this. And man, it's, it's, the, it's the truth. You will end up, it's little at first, it's going to grow. You will end up incapacitated. You will end up stalled out. Now, remember this, the whole analogy of the book is you're moving along the highway. You've put your faith in Christ. You're headed for eternity with Christ. But if these are the things that are sown in your life, if depression is growing in your life, if you have a poor vision and an unhappy life, it's going to end with you incapacitated in life. Now, what's that going to mean? You'll eventually quit moving. You'll quit producing. You'll quit even hoping. And then it's going to end in this. You'll actually quit caring. I don't even care. I don't even care. I don't even hope it's going to get better. You're going to quit producing. And here's what your life will look like. Consumed in sleep. And maybe if, if, I'm, if I see it enough, you'll be up at night and sleep half the day. You'll be tired most of the time. You'll watch crazy amounts of TV. You won't even know what you watch. You'll sit there and you'll watch eight hours of some crazy episode of something. You'll start to spend time on Facebook and you don't, your thumb doesn't even know what you're doing anymore. You're just looking and you're just looking and you're, and you're moving through that. You may start to drink alcohol. You may start to take medication. And really, it's just anything to numb it, anything to just put it off till tomorrow. You know what, I don't want to deal with this today, and, and so you know what, I'm going to come home and I'm going to drink six or seven of these and I'll just move till tomorrow and you will actually end up incapacitated. Here's the deal. Listen, I'm talking to you. God has a purpose for you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are needed, you are necessary, you are important. And instead of walking that out, glorifying Christ, you will stall out and you'll become incapacitated. Let me tell you what that is. That is a victory for Satan. God has great things for you to do. You're important. You're necessary. And Satan has got you and you don't even care anymore. And you've stalled out and you're incapacitated. That is a victory for Satan. All right. So what is the answer? So what is the answer? This is the most important part this is going to be the weirdest part. I expect when this goes on Facebook that I'm going to hear about it for three weeks of people that are mad. But let me just go ahead and say this to you. Satan wants to keep you where you're at. He wants you to mask the symptoms instead of finding the solutions. The world is going to laugh at what we're getting ready to talk about. The world's going to say these things. It's, it's dangerous for you to tell folks that these are the answers. And I'll just come back to the same place I started. So how's the world's way working? How's the world doing it at this subject? And so let me just tell you, here's, here's the biblical remedy for depression. The biblical remedy for depression. First thing is this. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. The psalmist has to recognize in verse 10 the condition. The psalmist has to say, here's where I'm at. You have to call it what it is. You have to say, here's where I'm at. I'm dealing with this. This is where I'm at. There's a whole lot of folks that are too proud to say this is something I'm dealing with. There's a lot of folks that are too worried about the perception of the world uh, to say this is what I'm dealing with. There's a lot of folks that say I'm in denial. I got a business to run. I got things to do. I don't have time to talk about this subject. The first thing is to say, here's what it is. Here's what it is. The psalmist says, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm dealing with. Everybody goes through it. Here is where I'm at. I'm dealing with this. That sounds weird, but you can't do anything about it until you say, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm dealing with. Second thing, now I want you to listen very carefully because it could be twisted. Second thing I want you to hear is this. You have to repent. Now listen very carefully. Don't misunderstand that. To repent, it's, it's, a, it's a better word and it's a bigger word than to just say, God, I'm sorry for this and please forgive me for this. If, if we've done this sinfully, then we need, need to ask God's forgiveness. It's not, it's not gonna end there. To repent in the original language means this, to turn. That's the definition of repentance, to turn. 
Another definition means to change your mind. And when we talk about when we put our faith in Christ, we repent and turn to Christ. So we turn away from our sins and we turn to Christ. So if we're going to we're going to walk out repentance in this subject. We're going to turn from this thing and we're going to turn around to this other thing. It is to change your mind, to change your direction and to turn from this over to this other thing. Here's the deal. You actually have to do the thing. You have to move from this direction to that direction. There is an action to repentance. I've repented. Well, have you done something? There's a plan to repentance. There's a movement to repentance. You have to turn. You have to have a plan. You have to be deliberate. It takes an effort to actually repent. Here's the hard part. It's tough. You've stalled out. You've stopped. Maybe your hope is gone. Maybe maybe you don't even see a, a, a reason to do anything and you actually have to change your mind and change your direction and go this other way. Here's as simple as I could put it. What got you here, remember that starting list? You gotta walk off from those things and you have to go this direction. You have to leave self-focus. You have to leave the focus on the past. Oh, it's hard. You have to to leave the focus on the dread of life, what's coming up tomorrow. You have to quit ignoring your problems. You have to quit ignoring your sins. And you have to take the actual steps to go this direction. You can no longer mask the symptoms. You have to do something about them. You have to turn. Here's the most important thing. And I'll, man... If you don't get anything, get this. The most important thing you're going to hear out of this whole deal, the most important step to turn and walk out and to move forward from depression, the most important step is this. You have to reset your focus on God. You have to reset your focus on God. Remember those words, meditate, dwell You have to dwell on God. You have to muse about the things of God. You have to think about who he is. And I'm not talking about some goofy sayings. I'm not talking about a blurb out of the Jesus Calling book. You're actually going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to go to Bible studies. You're going to have to hear sermons that are preached. You're going to have to memorize verses. You're going to have to be consumed with who God is, what he's done, what his character is, and you're going to find that in the word of God. You're going to have to fill your brain in a crazy effort with the word of God. World's not going to tell you that. World's not going to tell you that. They're going to say, we got to figure out what happened in the past. We got to figure out and make a breakthrough in this area. We've got, you're going to have to, I don't care what's happened in the past. The answer is still the same. You're going to have to fill your brain with the truth of God. He is gracious. He is kind. He is the creator. He's powerful. He's the sustainer of all things. Do you know what he did in John chapter 7? Do you know who he is in John chapter 17? You're going to have to fill yourself with the word of God. Let me tell you another way that's part of that. Songs, the music you hear. And I'm not talking about corny, goofy songs that say the same things over and over. I'm talking about songs that are filled with the truth of Scripture. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Standing on the promises. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. You're going to have to fill yourself with the songs that have the truth of Scripture, the truth of Jesus Christ, and you're going to have to put that in your head. The Bible says, fix your eyes upon the, on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Listen to this one. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts. Verse eight says this, finally, brethren, Christian, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellent and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You're gonna have to reset your focus onto the things of God. Let me tell you something. 
You cannot fill your mind with the garbage of this world and expect your mind to ever see over the pile of that garbage. And so when you sit around and you think about this and you fill yourself with this and you watch these cruddy shows and you use this cruddy language and you fill yourself with the sorry things of a depressed world, your brain cannot look over the pile of that garbage. You have to reset your focus on God. Let me tell you something. We can be late. It's all right. 2016, tough year for me. My dad had been sick for 10 years. My dad died in January of 2016. He dies on a Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon. I, you know what I think? How do you honor the memory of your dad if you're me? You preach is what you do. So Thursday, here's what I did. On Thursday of that week, he died on Wednesday. Thursday, I preached the men's lunch to 110 men, prepared and preached it. That's on Thursday. Friday, I preached his funeral, did it myself. Saturday, did his memorial service. You just start going. Here's what you do. You preach Christ. 2016, other tough stuff starts to happen. Stuff here at the church. Other things as well. Another thing. No one sees it. You know what? I'm a preacher. I'm going to be at church. I'm going to preach. Nobody sees it. Something else. Something else. And you get to a place that you think, I don't know if I care anymore. I don't care if this pays off anymore. Seems that everything ends the same, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And you start to think, my vision's not seeing right. And I remember thinking, you know what, I can, I'm the preacher of the church, my lands, I know all the verses, I know all the verses. I know what to tell you, I'll tell you myself what to do, but you, your brain can't go there. And I remember thinking I'm pretty tough and I got it all under control. And I remember it was about six months after my dad had passed away and I'd ordered a, a headstone from out of town and the truck comes to bring his headstone and I remember driving out to the farm following that truck and I thought, I've been on this road with hay balers. I've been in this, this road pulling calves out here. I've been in this road 100,000 times with my granddad and my dad driving down this road. I never thought I'd drive down the road following his headstone. And I got there, and I remember talking to the guy. Here's where you're going to put it. And he, he set the deal and left. And it got so bad, I called Carrie and said, I don't know if I can get home. I don't know if I can get home. You know what? That starts a process that's rough. And that starts a process where you're, you're having to act one way, but you know the truth is something else. And I had a friend that had written down some attributes of God for a Bible study. And I, I picked this up. This is the list. And I started reading this list twice a day, four times a day, six times a day on Saturday, because that's when I got to write a sermon to preach on Sunday and the list says this, praise God for who he is. My God is holy. He is eternal. God is infinite. His knowledge knows no bounds. He is the creator of everything. My God is righteous. He is just. He never changes. God has all wisdom. My God is unsearchable. My God is all powerful. He is present everywhere. God depends on no one for his existence. He reigns sovereignly. My God is merciful. He is gracious to us. His love is immeasurable. He is jealous for me. My God is good. He is faithful. God is incomparable. There is no one like him. He alone is worthy of all praise and worship. And that thing ended up in my pocket. And I read that, and I put it on my desk, and I read that. And when I get in my car, I would read that. And it was step by step by step by step. You have to actually fill yourself, reset yourself with the truth of who God is. Reset your focus on God. Do you know what doesn't happen in two weeks? The fix doesn't happen in two weeks. It doesn't happen in 12 months. We have to reset our focus on the things of God. The last thing is this, focus on others. Focus on others. There's two ways to focus on others. Now remember, self-focus sets the ground for us to get bogged down in this. You have to actually focus on other people. 
there's two ways, and you, one of them is you have to serve other people. You will walk out of the territory of depression if you'll start to say, how can I help you? How can I serve you? What is it you're going to need? How can I do this thing for you? Maybe I'll mow your yard over there. And you start to focus and serve other people. I'll tell you a story about my dad. He gets cancer. He loses all this weight. He can't go anywhere. He can't move. I've, this is some of the folks in here. The least likely thing I thought he would ever do, he started writing cards to other people with cancer. He said, my whole life I hear somebody's got cancer. I think, well, that's bad for them. And he goes back to work. He could not get out of his house and he would start to write cards to people with cancer. You know what? If you will serve other people, you'll start to climb out of this valley. You'll start to move ahead. The last thing is this, and that is how do you focus on other people? You tell them about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, this is, this is the big thing here. The world will say, you're not ready to do that. You're too depressed to do that. Look at the state you're in. There's no way you should do that. Listen, if you will start to tell people there is a risen Savior, I have found hope, I've found the forgiveness of my sin, if you will start to tell people about Jesus Christ, it will move you forward. I do not think you can tell somebody about Christ and stay in a depressed state. Now, it may be a process you're walking through, but if you'll start to say, there is a hope, there is a Savior, there is a truth, his name is Jesus, if you'll tell folks about Christ, you'll move forward. Don't you see now why Satan has such a emphasis on this thing. Here's the end. Listen to these words. What a dishonor to God to allow the minds of his cherished creation, that's us, to be robbed away. Satan would rather us mask the symptoms instead of God being glorified in the solutions. Here's the bottom line. In this Subject, depression. God is trustworthy. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. During Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for you. We're thankful that there is hope. We're thankful that we're able to say life is hard. Life is tough. We're thankful to say we've gotten off track. That we can, we can admit it. But we're also thankful that you have a plan for us, you have a purpose for us, and you tell us you're, you're gonna renew all things and restore all things, that's the truth of the gospel. And so I pray for us here that, that have dealt with this, I pray that we be great testifiers to the anchor that does not move, to the hope that endures. I pray for some struggling with this right now that will hear this, that they will find there is hope and there's peace, not like the world gives, but a different peace found in Christ. Lord, speak lead, direct, move, and be glorified in every step of it. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Glad you're here tonight.